So, good morning. morning. Wonderful to have you folks joining us, whether you're part of our studio audience here today, whether you happen to be visiting from Canada or actually watching in Canada, it's wonderful to have you as part of our New Church Live audience. And today we have a a really significant service for you and, and something that will leave us all coming out of here, maybe just holding things a little differently. I know this morning, just getting ready for this morning, I was, was reading through uh, what a pastor had written, and he said, you know, Sunday's just, can we just take a breath? So let's do that. And just for an hour, get clear on what really matters. And that's what church is so much about, and we are so excited to have you joining us, whether you're joining us live or online or archived, it's wonderful to have you here as we look at those two things. So today's service is, is sort of a simple theme, but it's, but it's one that will bring a lot of, I think, joy to your life, and it'll bring a lot, of, um, a lot of thought, a lot of thought. And so a little hand gesture for you folks. I want you to do one hand like this, one hand like this. All right? What we're going to look at today, we're going to look at mirrors, which face in, and windows, which face out. And where do we use those two? How do we use those two? How do we employ those two? And and where is one appropriate? Where's the other? We're going to look at that and we're going to try to come towards a spiritual understanding of of how to find more joy in our life by really coming to understand how that works. We're going to start out by looking at this idea of treasure. And I I love the idea of treasure because treasure is both a noun and it's a verb. So, so I think back to being a kid, and I think back to the idea of treasure and pirate. I love the idea of pirate treasure. You know, the idea of pirate treasure, and the idea that there's a treasure chest out there that's secret, and we'll discover it, isn't that all cool? That's a treasure. And then as a verb, there's the question, what is it that we treasure? What do you treasure? How do you treasure something? And it's interesting because this question will help us to start to look at both this looking out and this looking in and help us to see that we can find treasure with both of those. And to get started with that idea of treasure, Angela, who's going to be doing a little cameo here today, Angela, who's a wonderful parishioner, local parishioner, she did a little video here, just which she's going to read a beautiful quote here from Matthew chapter 9. So take a listen to what Angela has to say here. Hi, New Church Live. My name's Angela. I'm from Richborough, PA, and I'm going to share with you the thought of today. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I hope you enjoy the service. Have a great day. Thank you, Angela. And that beautiful line about what is it that we're going to treasure? And so much of that understanding what we treasure, how we treasure, and that's one of the things I love about this quote, is this quote talks in in some ways that are, that I think, very poetic, but very important about how that treasure can sort of be depleted. In other words, it's talking about moth and vermin. If you don't know what vermin means, that means mice. (laughs) So so the idea is, is that we have certain treasures And that little things start to nibble away at it. I imagine you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Where there's just those little things that just seem to constantly be degrading our happiness in life. It could be anxiety. It could be traffic on I-95. Whatever it might be. These little things that just degrade. 
as well as thieves. And thieves here, I think, if I was to use a phrase, I would say where, where it just gets, the rug just gets pulled out. Where the rug just gets pulled out. And those things, I think, are going to happen. Like, we're going to have those little things that nibble at our joy, and then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out. That's going to happen as well. And so what Jesus is asking us here, he's saying, yeah, maybe we should reconsider what it is we truly treasure. Maybe there are things we can treasure that are much greater. And a part of that is starting to get into a conversation. What are the patterns for you that get in the way of discovering that pattern? I mean, discovering that joy. So the question I'm going to ask today is, what patterns are stealing your joy? What patterns do you live in life that tend to steal your joy? So what you can do, folks, if you're joining us for the first time here at New Church Live, we do a lot of texting here at New Church Live because we have congregants literally all over the place, and it's a way that we can create community. And so what I would ask you to do would be shoot me an answer to that question. What patterns in your life tend to rob you of joy? And you can text that to me, 215-740-3662, that's 215 215- 740-3662, or you can put that in the comment section. Again, we, we broadcast on a number of platforms. We have a robust discussion that happens on New Church Live's Facebook page, led by some wonderful volunteers out of Michigan. You're welcome to put a comment on that as well, just what are the patterns that rob you of joy? And then when we come back, folks, we're going to talk about, yeah, how do we sort of say no to those patterns? How do we change those patterns? How do we use this concept of windows and mirrors to maybe see life just a little bit more differently and, importantly, find more joy? So welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live. sun's not so hot in the sky today and you know I can see summertime slipping on away slipping on few more geese are gone few more leaves turning red but the grass is soft has a feather in a feather bed so i'll be king and you'll be queen our kingdom's gonna be this little patch of green won't you lie down with me now in this september grass won't you lie down with me right now September grass Oh, the memory is like the sweetest pain Yeah, I kissed a girl at a football game 
I can still smell the sweat and the grass stain. We walked home together, I was never the same. Oh, but that was a long time ago. Where is she now? I don't know. Won't you lie down with me now in the September grass? Won't you lie down with me right now in the September grass? Oh, September grass is the sweetest kind Goes down easy like apple wine Hope you don't mind if I pour you some May that much sweeter by the winter to come Do you see those ants dancing on a blade of grass? Do you know what I know? That's you and me, baby. Yes, it is. We're so small and the world so vast. We found each other down in the grass. Won't you lie down with me right now in the September grass? Won't you lie down with me now in September grass? Lie down, lie down, oh, lie down, lie down, lie down, lie down, oh, lie down, lie down. Won't you lie down? In the September grass Oh baby, won't you lie down with me now The September grass Oh darling, lie down Oh lie down, yeah lie down Whatever, whatever you got to lie down Yeah lie down, yeah darling What a beautiful song. And, and folks, it, it just, you know, the, the text messages we get, I don't read all of them, uh, but they're so powerful to read. And it's, I want you to hear these, and I want you to hear these and know this to be true. Like, your story is our story. Your story's our story. We wrestle with this. We know what these patterns are. And, and, and just listen, I'm sure you'll hear lots of parts in here. It's like, oh yeah, I, I get this. One person texted in, Concern about work, family, and career. Another, body and mind lethargy. That's a great word. Swirling brain creates negative thinking, paralysis by analysis. Eating and drinking coffee for safety and comfort. Guilty as charged. Believe others have it way more together than me and my loved ones. Thanks for asking. What a great question. I find myself exploring that all the time. 
Two things, a pattern of casual laziness where I know I could actively pursue joyous experiences, but I choose instead to settle into my general malaise. That's, that's really big. I think a lot of us can orient with that. The choice to allow others to rob me of my own joy, accepting what others perceive of me and placing instead of choosing to live my truth. Beautifully said. Relying on others to bring happiness to me rather than creating it for myself and sharing it with others. Welcome to windows and mirrors with that comment. The painful past can blind the beautiful future. One pattern that robs me of joy is listening to the loud voice of fear as I approach a future uncertain instead of the quiet voice of opportunity. We talk in here a lot if you're joining us for the first time. Important spiritual truth. Hell shouts, heaven whispers. Head noise, living in the past and future. Being comfortable, being in chaos, not happy, but comfortable. What steals my joy? Fear, fear of loss, of scarcity, of impending doom, of insecurities. Another person, regretting past choices. Intellectually, I know this is a complete waste of energy, but I too often fall into this cycle. I fall into that cycle every morning at exactly 6 a.m. When I wake up, that's the tape I play, all the, all the stuff where I've dropped the ball. Buying and storing stuff we don't need. Worrying about things we cannot change. Beautifully said. Overscheduling myself robs me of joy. I have to be vigilant not to do it. I tend to say yes to too many things. That depletion again, right? Overthinking and worrying things that are only problems in my thoughts robs me of joy. And it's amazing how many times it just is in our thoughts. My husband's family takes my joy. Another person. <laughs> Yep, that can happen. That can happen. That can happen. Uh, procrastination. I don't get stuff done, but then it keeps me up at night and brings me sadness. <laughs> so, so, folks, we, we, can, we can look at these. And uh, another final one came in, this one from Michigan. Patterns, work fears, and concerns. So, folks, we can look at that, right? And it's, it's, just, it's just all like craziness, right, in a certain way. And, and we can dive into that in these patterns. And how do we get patterns out of the way so we can start to look at life much more as life is? And, and you know, the, the timber of those comments are just so good. You know, I really, I really, I just love the fact that the spiritual life is something we all share. You know, it's nothing unique. It's, it's actually this universe. It's this one song. And that includes the beautiful parts, and that includes the really challenging parts as well. So I want to take a look at this idea, first off, of, of mirrors. Like, how do mirrors work? And again, so we're looking at mirrors that look in, we're looking at windows that look out. And, and mirrors, I want to talk about mirrors first. And it's sort of where mirrors can be, can be in a positive thing. Well, a couple of things that mirrors can, can do for you. They can help you spot vegetables between your teeth, right? We know that. And it can help to spot other things, too. It can help to, first off, just, yeah, where am I responsible here? Now, one person, I'm glad they put it, they said, yeah, I just keep on saying yes to everything. It's, 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 that's that key where we can overextend. It's not about overextending. It's about just being accountable. So what that means is we have to be 100% accountable for whatever part we played. There are some things where you are only 10% responsible. So how much responsibility do you need to accept? 10%. Fully accept that 10%. If you accept 100% responsibility for every problem, seek professional counseling. 
that won't work. You're going to find yourself completely depleted. I'm responsible for my bet, and I'm really responsible for my bet, 100%. And so if today you're holding something and you're like, yeah, this part doesn't feel right, it just, there was this interaction, figure out what your percent is and be upfront, I'm completely responsible for my part in that. And just say it that way. And avoid saying, and just so you know, you're responsible for your part too. Leave that out, that will not work. I'm 100% responsible for my part. Now the other piece, so, so we, we slice it up, I'm 100% responsible here. Again, super significant. We've got a lot of young adults who join us. They join us online, they join us here in our studio audience. Real important, we don't want to put the blame other places. In other words, if, if um, you know, I was, I, was, I was talking to a young college adult, we were talking just about athletics, and, and how it's so easy to blame the coach instead of like, I'm gonna take my responsibility, coach is gonna take theirs, I'm gonna ask them what, how I can help. And that how I can help gets into a different form of accountability. It's where you are accountable to bring your gifts to that situation. You are accountable 100% of the time to bring your particular gifts to that situation. Now if you think that's easy, it's not. <laughs> it's not, it's tough. Right? Because God has given every single one of you in here a gift. A gift. And your job is to bring that 100% of the time as best you can. It's your best intention. Of course, we're talking, we're talking progress, not perfection. But, but bring that gift to it. That's an important part of the mirror, too. So I get to see where I'm accountable, number one. And then I get to see what's my gift and how can I offer it in that situation as best I can. That's important. That's all mirror stuff. But mirror stuff can also get to be pretty negative. And that's why with the mirror, we want to look, but don't stare. Got that? Look, but don't stare. If we go into every social situation wondering how we look, we will find ourselves anxious and we'll find ourselves closing the circle as quickly as we can. That's so important to remember. We don't want to stare. We want to look, and that includes in the past. Like it's, it's, a little bit of a, uh, it's a little bit too easy of an analogy, but it's a beautiful one, so I'm going to use it. Try driving your car just looking in the rearview mirror. It will not work so well. We want to look, we want to see what's behind us, but then we want to get back to the road. We want to get back to what's in front of us. 100% accountable, 100% going to offer our gifts. That's what we have to do. That's, that's the mirror part. It's interesting, folks, you know, the ancient Greeks, those of you, many of you do know the, the legend of, or the myth of Narcissus, where we get narcissist from, and, and narcissist, he, he got lost in his own reflection in a pond and died there because he couldn't move. He fell so in love with his own reflection. Now, I think there's a trick there, and I don't know how to do this, just I'm putting this out front. We can fall in love with our own reflection, both the positive reflection and the negative reflection. Probably a lot of us here today wrestle more with the negative, with the negative image that we've fallen in love with more than the positive one. 
God doesn't want you there either. Please hear that. All of us, as we often say in here, every single one of us has a voice you wish would just go away in your head. So much of spirituality is going, yep, that voice is there, and I'm just going to do my best to keep it at arm's length, asking God to help me with that. And don't fall in love with that negative, that negative image. It's not going to serve you terribly well. So, folks, there's a, there's a cautionary tale here, too, because it's interesting to look at how all this stuff works. And, and I, I want to use, I want to talk about technology here, you know, and how technology can be a real challenge with this. Now, it's not saying technology is a challenge. Like, the fact is, after COVID, the only reason why New Church Life has been able to exist and thrive and grow is because of technology. Plain and simple. So we love technology here at New Church Live. And we're really firmly committed to it's a means, not an end in and of itself. And we have to be aware of those times where technology can actually get in the way of human interaction. Now, now here, folks, I want to talk a bit about the superpower zone. Now, the superpower zone, we can pull out our phones and it gives us more imagined strength, less apparent effort, complete, complete responsiveness, packed with simulated recognition and entertainment. If I pull out my phone, and I have this new fancy one that instantly recognizes my face, it instantly recognizes exactly, it, it completely 100% response to me. More responsive than any of you. You ready for that? More responsive than any of you. And then I, I can look up stuff, I got all this great stuff, and then if I hit YouTube, of course, it comes up completely responsive to me. It comes up with Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. It comes up with uh, the Siegfried line, the tank offensive to take Berlin. Completely responsive to the stuff I like to look at. Would bore the heck out of most of you. But I guarantee you, like, this is 100% responsive. And not just responsive, I don't even need to wait. It's instantly responsive. It's instantly a mirror of everything that drives me. Is that always good? I don't know. I think there's a space there for us to be super cautious because it feels like this superpower. And we get to have more and more of this power with less and less of an effort. And it's interesting to think, well, what, is, what does that mean? Well, and this isn't just technology. I think this is our lives in general. The more efficient we become, the more people disappear. I would take a picture of that one if you have your phone out. <laughs> the more efficient we become, the more people disappear. Life in this age is so much about this responsiveness. And the fact is, our phones are far more immediately responsive to us than our family or our friends. It's far, it's, it's far, like if you're really, if you're having an awkward time hanging out with your phone, that's a little weird, you know, hanging out with your phone's not awkward. Because it's 100% responsive 100% of the time. Now, now what, is this, what does this mean? Like, like how does that mean? And, and with efficiency, maybe, maybe pulling us away from other people. And, and I think you know what the punchline here, the punchline, a big part of the punchline is going to be embracing inefficiency. That's part of embracing moving away from the mirror to the window. 
Well, I, I want to give you just, just a couple of examples. One is from a, from a college administrator I was talking to. And talking to this college administrator, he was mentioning that, like, the dining hall these days. He said, yeah, dining halls really change. And, and I can remember back in the day going to college, uh, you know, went up to State College, went up to Penn State, going there, you know, you go into the dining hall, you sit around these tables. Does that feel a little awkward? Absolutely. You know, if there's anything that will get you back to eighth grade in a, in a heartbeat, it's going a place having to figure out who you're going to eat with. Right? That game's giving me sweaty palms talking about it. He said that doesn't happen anymore. Because a lot of the students just order Grubhub. Oh. Good, bad? I don't know. I, I got to tell you, to be honest, I would have chosen Grubhub <laughs> if it was available. I would have been more efficient. Would have gotten me exactly what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted it. Would have probably also gotten me way too much bad food. I would have gotten all those things, 100% responsive. But maybe some people would have disappeared from my life. Completely efficient. And at the same time, watching people disappear. Now that can happen to all of us. I had a, had a funny one with our family a, a few weeks ago. We're sitting around the dinner table, and I, I say our kids. Our kids are all older. They're like in their 30s on down. And, and three of the kids are sitting there, and it's my wife and I, and they're having, three of them are having this wonderful conversation with my wife. And it's, it's like I'm sort of on the outside looking in, but it wasn't, it wasn't that they said, Dad, just so you know, we're not talking to you today. It wasn't that at all. It's just they were having their conversation, and it was a great conversation. I just wasn't part of it because it wasn't about World War II battles or or, or college football. So, so they're doing their thing, and I'm here, and I'm just like, you know, I, I'm not really part of this conversation. So, so, so I walk back over into our living room, I sit down on the couch, and I start scrolling my phone. Now again, I'm working on this sermon during the day as I'm doing this, right? And I'm crazy, crazy. Did you realize that's crazy, right? I was choosing efficiency over relationship. Now, I had nothing to offer that conversation, right? I really didn't. But I went in the other room just because it was easier, it's less tense, I'm not trying to say a dumb dad joke in there. You know, it, it's like it's, it just it worked to be in there. And then I'm thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? These are three of our kids. We have five. Do you know how many times we're able to get even three of them at home around the table? Not that often. <laughs> like, how crazy was that? So I went back in, and, it's, it, it's, and I'd love to report to you that the kids all fell silent, and they're like, Dad, what do you think? That's not what happened. <laughs> you know? They just went on with their conversation, which was great. And I just sat there, and I just listened. But maybe my only job there was for them to know that Dad was there, and that Dad was listening. Maybe that was it. As inefficient as that was, because I could have been doing a million other things on my phone, I made a very different conscious choice there. And, I, you know, I'm glad I did. And, and, and really trying, you know, since then I've really been working on, on how, do I, how do I choose the inefficient thing? How do I choose to be really inefficient? 
And just even ask yourself that question. We'll be coming back to that. Even ask yourself that question, like, all right, I could have a really efficient afternoon or a really inefficient afternoon. How can I make my afternoon more inefficient? Is a great question to think about. So what starts to happen, folks, is we start to develop, and again, this series is called New, we start to develop these new patterns where we're using mirrors for what we should use them for and windows for what we should use those windows for. And to help us look out, here's this beautiful quote. This is from Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp. That's interesting. Not the lens. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Boy, I find that a powerful line. It's the first time I read it, and really, really what jumped out were those two words there, the lamp. That idea of a new pattern, that, that we're to see out there in the world, and that seeing is to be a light out there into the world. Like, it's to be a light that illuminates that helps us to see. And can we actually see it? Can we, can we do it? Can we do that, do that lamp? A simple story for you. One that was so powerful. I just finished doing a, a special service down in Philadelphia. This is three weeks ago. I get done with the service, and this older gentleman comes up to me, and he says, I just want to thank you. That was, that was beautiful. And then he starts crying. And he said, you know, I, I lost my wife. I'm lonely a lot of the time. And that felt really good to be here. I, I could have so easily missed that moment. So easily missed that moment. Because things had just ended. It's the crush. It's time to go out and work the room, so to speak. But here was this, this moment. And it just, it just was this sacred inefficient moment and I came about that close to missing it and trying to get out of that room as quickly as I could I think that that idea right of, of embracing embracing those kinds of inefficiencies those those kinds of new patterns is important I love I love I love Pope Francis big fan of Pope Francis and, and he had these different, these different things, and he was talking about new patterns in life. And he talked about dwelling in littleness. Dwelling in littleness. Dwelling in littleness. Look at this idea, folks. Dwell in littleness and inefficiency. Listen just to listen. Probably most of us have already heard this before. And yet, it's one of those spiritual truths that needs repeated consistently because we forget. It's one thing to listen to listen. It's another thing to listen so that you can get your turn. We all know that difference. We all know when we're listening with somebody, so like, yep, 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 and you know they're not hearing a thing. And it's very different to listen to somebody and you know that what you're able to offer them is this deep listening, this deep listening, this whole body listening, where you've pushed so much to the side and you're willing to say, yeah, I'm just going to be, I'm going to live totally inefficiently and not be moving on to the next thing. I'm going to be right here 
now. I'm going to be right here now. That's a beautiful window. A beautiful way to look out there in the world. Now as we go through and we do this, this dwell in littleness and inefficiency, this listen just to listen. It's important that we start to understand like, like efficiency tends to be a very um, quantitative goal and we want to sort of shift into more qualitative goals too. Like what are we going to treasure, coming back to that original line that we heard Angela read, what are we truly going to come to treasure qualitatively? Not quantitatively, but qualitatively. And a phrase that I just loved was from someone, a, a friend I got to meet up in Staten Island visiting some folks up there. And, and this, this friend had had bariatric surgery because he, he wanted to lose, lose, have a dramatic weight loss. And, and he said in this interview, he said, oh, yeah, Chuck, you know, I found it was all about NSVs. Like, NSVs, not familiar with that one. Non-scale victories. So what I want you to do is I want you to listen to Rob Gigliotti up in Staten Island as Rob and I chat about what non-scale victories are. So take a listen to Rob. is so true. We, we tend to think of things as fixed. And then we get pretty quickly as we go through challenges in life. Oh, wow. If I just shift my perspective a little bit, all of a sudden it starts looking different. And I would imagine when you're sitting over here at, at 393 pounds, you know, you're looking at the future and it looks one way and then you shift over here and it may not have even been after all the weight loss. It may have been during that process and you started to see a different future I love the phrase in, in Jeremiah, you know, where, where God says, you know, I've come to give you a future and a hope, which I love that idea the way a future and a hope, oh. you know, and that's like, so it chills even saying that, like the way they just, they just go together. And, and so where do you feel that call? I, I know you and I have talked about this before, but I would love people to be able to hear where you're kind of saying, yeah, I'm going to pull together a future and a hope in, in this line of work moving forward. Well, well, we have, as you lose weight and during this journey, um, they will have what called NSVs, non-scale victories, right? So the concept would be, it's not a scale victory where you're trying to lose weight and it's always being owned and controlled by that scale and that number. It's not a number, right? That number comes down to, I'm breathing easier. I can have more exercise. I can play with my children. I can be with my grandkids. I can. So what it's doing is it's actually by dropping weight, bringing your energy levels up is allowing you to do things that you didn't do before that you didn't not not were conscious enough that you didn't want to do them, but you didn't realize how held back you were. So yeah. unlocking these doors, it's an awareness of going, wow, now it's this. Now you start to say, like, I was just on the, the, the weekend, you know, at a friend's house, I was on a pool raft floating around in a pool. And I'm like, and haven't done that in years. Like that was a non-scale victory. Like 
you know, being able to go on an airplane and buckle up and sit next to somebody and not feel like you're going into their seat and all these, all these, um, these um, emotional and judgmental, we, we judge ourselves so much. Right. And, um, and then we have ego. So our ego combats fear and your ego is trying to then persevere and say, I can make through and, you know, it's like fighting your ego wants to fight to move forward and, and try to get through life and, and adjust how you have to live. But when you can live life in a way of peace of without judgment, um, it unlocks to want to see a future as opposed to always battling against how do I get through it and money and this and being focused and then years just go by. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty deep. (laughs) So that's so perfectly said. It was a great interview, and you can see the rest of it. We, the rest of the interview is terrific, really, really inspiring. You can see it on newchurchlive.tv. You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Uh, you can listen to it in any one of those places, wherever you get your podcast from. It's really worthwhile to listen to. And, and it's not about, you know, when, when you talk to... to to Rob Gigliotti, you know, the interview's just terrific. You realize talking to him, it was never for him. It was not weight loss per se. There was all this other stuff. And, you know, as somebody who wrestles a lot with weight issues, um, it was powerful just to hear him say, you know, these non-scale victories. And and what I love about the non-scale victories is they make you victorious whether you lose a pound or not. You know, that's these these non-scale victories. It's, 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 you know, we have this idea we need to fight and there's this fear and we got to fight and there's this fear and there's this fight and there's this fear. And here's Rob's talking about, no, it's it really, for me, things switched when I realized I wanted to play with my kids, you know? That's true whether you're losing weight or not. Those non-scale victories, it's, it's such a beautiful way to hold it and a beautiful way to hold what we treasure because it's, it's easy to think what we treasure always has to be quantitative. I mean, try this on for size. Can I just throw something out to you? Here's a crazy idea. God doesn't count anything. Just think about that for a second. God does not count anything. He doesn't count all the mistakes you've made. Doesn't count all the time. Doesn't count all the times you've slipped up. Doesn't count all the coulda, woulda, shouldas. As we say all the time, God's, God's mind, it's never the bottom of the night for those of you who are baseball fans. So that's something to really, to really think about and to, to kind of let into our lives and, and, to have, and to have some humor with non-scale victories. Like I was, I was smiling, I'm a, I'm a big Kate Bowler fan, that's a wonderful podcast as well, and she had this beautiful, very learned reference. And before I show you this, 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 this picture here, so Jesus says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So her little son goes to a swim meet, and she decided to do a little play on that. And I think this is where we can see non-scale victories. That's her son. And it says at the top, he was first, then he was last. We're really doing a lot of important theological work around here. I like that. I like that, because I do think that is so much the way the world works. 
And what we're trying to do, folks, is, is find new patterns. And it's not new patterns that, that, that come out of this shame on you. How could you have live a life like fill in the blank? These are new patterns that are all about God's invitation. Invitation to actually come into who you from all time, think about it, who you from all time were created to be. I mean, wow. Sign me up for that. Because that's where we find peace and joy and we find new patterns. Where we really get with windows. It's all about giving. in the kitchen I'm tasting the smell Of toast as the butter runs Then she comes Spilling crumbs On the bed I shake my head And it's only the giving that makes you What you are Love that last line. It's only the giving that makes you what you are. It's only the giving. The eye is the lamp. It's that shining. And there's this beautiful line. Many of you are aware of it. Probably some of you haven't heard it before. Aware where Jesus talks about be you know be the lamp. And who would cover a lamp with the bushel? Which a lot of people sort of stop the quote there. But as we, we, when we read it, what's beautiful about Jesus said, yeah, don't cover your light with a bushel, in other words, with a basket, because how else, if we cover our light, will other people see? Wow. So it's not about shining for your own engrandizement. 
It's about shining so other people can see and can see better and can see well. I think, folks, again, there, there are so many patterns that, that rob us of joy and there are so many new patterns that we can find that will help us to celebrate. So, so let's be clear as, as we move on through this week, as best we can, it's all about progress, not perfection. You know, be aware. What are the patterns for you that you just know slowly degrade your life? Remember, Jesus said that, that what robs us of our treasure isn't always the big cataclysmic event. It's the moth and the mice. <laughs> just taking a little nibble at a time. But over time, it can rob you of stuff. Those little nibbles. And there are times, of course, thieves break through and steal. There are times, of course, where the rug gets pulled out. That's part of life, too. That can equally rob us of treasure. And let's look at those patterns that are robbing us of the joy that God's desire is for you to have. Bring you good news of great joy. Christmas, right? Good news of great joy. And let's, let's look at those patterns and let's, let's figure out the ones that, that are degrading our life and let's, let's just try to do something about that. Just one or two little things. And then let's look at the patterns that help us to celebrate life. And folks, I, I want to just offer this. I think this is so important. With all of spirituality, it's easy to think like it's way too big. It's never that big. It's always that small. I mean, a simple one for me that I have to work on all the time, because I'm in a lot of places where I don't know a lot of people, and that's terrifying for me, believe it or not. If I'm in a room and I don't know people, I try to make it my point to introduce myself to everyone in that room before I go to the buffet. <laughs> Buffet's much easier. Introducing myself, much more stressful. I mean, I, sweaty palms, again, even talking about that. Right back to eighth grade, even when I say those words. But that's, that's the small little thing I know I can do. It's not big, not grand, doesn't remake the world. No one else even necessarily notices. But that's helping to, to come from a, from a window, not from a mirror. Not from how do I look in this social situation, but who can I meet in this social situation? Who can I connect with in this social situation? And that's, again, where we can't, we, it's here and here, we can't fall in love with our image in the lake narcissistically, either that negative image or that positive image. We're not to do that. It's not like a looking down. It's a looking out. And when we can do that, folks, we, we'll just find a life that has so much beautiful celebration to it. And we'll start to understand more and more, again, this idea of mirrors and windows. This idea of we want to look at mirrors and, and use them for what they're useful for. Like, when you make a mistake, how do you take accountability? And when things go really well, how do you look out at other people and give credit where credit is due? Because aren't those the people you want to be around? Don't you want to be around people who are like, yeah, I just know they're going to be accountable for their part. And I know they're going to celebrate the wins with everybody. That's who we want to be around. And that's who we want to be around, folks, because I would hold that's who we actually want to be. 
And why do we want to be that? Because that's how God created you. That's what he created you to be. And so much of this life is just the art of homecoming, the life of returning to first, the life of coming into who we were created from all time to be, windows, mirrors, the whole thing. So that's our thought for today, friends. I want to thank you all for joining us today. It's wonderful to see. And again, I want to see we have some visitors here who've joined us from other places that they're traveling through town. Anytime you're in town, you are more than welcome to join our studio audience here at New Church Live. It's wonderful to actually put names and faces and connections together. Always want to warmly invite people to that. And I warmly want to invite you as well to join us next week at New Church Live as we conclude this series on newness looking at this beautiful mantra, beautiful mantra, always with wonder. See you next week, friends. Now we're going to offer a little prayer, followed by the Lord's Prayer, followed by a blessing, and then we'll have our last final song. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today, windows and mirrors. Help us, Lord, to understand those parts where we need the mirrors in our life. We need the mirroring where we need to be able to see, we need to be able to find accountability, we need to be able to find those parts where our work is. Even if our work is small, help us to work on that. And windows, help us to constantly look out. That spirit of gratitude, that spirit of celebration, that spirit of really seeing other people, of really listening to other people, help us to do that. And Lord, as well, help us to just be at peace with it all. We're not going to make this decision overnight. Our lives don't change in hours. They change in years. But allow us just to take those little steps, trusting you, trusting that the journey is good, trusting that you hold us in it all. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Your prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends.
outside world Looking at the outside world Looking at the outside world Looking at the outside world 
outside world Looking in the outside